passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. It is rewind to raw. I am John Pollock and he is waiting. Hello, way. Hey, John, how you doing? How you feeling? I'm exhausted. Um, I, I, I absolutely hit a wall today and, uh, needed, uh, I, I needed my nap before raw cause I wasn't going to make it. It's been a long couple of, uh, days that have, uh, caught up with me. How are you doing? Yeah, about the same, you know, um, I think it's cause like mentally probably, you know, was expecting a bit of a stop point maybe after last night and it really hasn't been so we're here to talk i, I think it. next year next year maybe we should just take it easy and and go to philadelphia and cover wrestlemania <laughs> let's take it easy next year oh man no travel would be that much worse uh honestly so i don't know we'll, we'll talk about it we, we we we'll talk about whether or not we might be going i'm sorry just got a little anyway well I, I can tell you that next year at least on the monday where we would be traveling home we wouldn't be uh contending with a WWE sale. So that, that we can assure for, uh, for, for next year as well. Uh, well Let's see. jump into things because uh, Brandon Thurston and I did a, a lengthy show earlier today, going through a lot of the major key points of today's uh, big story of the sale going through that Endeavor has acquired WWE and is spinning it off into its own company, separate company from Endeavor that will be housing the WWE and the UFC. It does not have a name yet. Although Vince McMahon is uh putting his head down and we'll be coming up with something they are going to be using the uh on on the stock ticker it will be going by the letters tko oh yeah how do you like that way oh i love it calls back to my favorite canadian mma promotion that's right that's right in the world i don't know if stefan patrie had any thoughts on on this this choice of lettering uh but that is uh going to be the new company and endeavor will have the controlling uh, shares of 51% while WWE shareholders will maintain 49% with uh, Endeavor holding six seats on their board of governors or board of directors with WWE having five seats as well. Uh, we went over the comments, Vince McMahon and Ari Emanuel speaking publicly on CNBC, but sort of your big picture thoughts and reaction way since we spoke with you on Sunday night. Hmm. Um. I think the biggest thing for me is just maybe more of the acceptance that Vince McMahon is back and he's back in a big way, even arguably maybe in some ways in terms of like his mainstream sort of power now, maybe bigger than it it's ever been. Um, the fact that he appeared on CNBC this morning showing his face, 
um, tells you that he doesn't feel like there's anything to hide anymore. He can be as public as he wants and, you know, um, say that he's uh, what uh, lived up to his mistakes or or accepted his mistakes or whatever he said. And then um, He's he's moved on and it just seems like it's, it's business as usual. And he has gotten through the biggest challenge that was going to be this sale and the idea of would a buyer want to be in business with a Vince McMahon? Ari Emanuel clearly wanted Vince to be part of this and would not let him uh, walk away. So you are through that hurdle. Um, uh, of course, you know, Brandon brought it up and, it, and it's worth mentioning that when we were we're seeing the uh, the filings back at the uh, beginning of the year and Vince, you know, forcing himself back into the company and the WWE board of directors stating in their letter that, you know, they had reason to believe that there are things that are not public yet that would certainly put off some warning signs. I think the last thing you would want would be any any potential issues uh, that, that come with this as the sale is still not um, finalized. It still has to be uh, approved uh, at, at the requisite levels of government, but they're expecting it to close by the end of this year. But nonetheless, um, Vince McMahon, he is very much um, back in the thick of things. And he was uh, fightful reporting that he was at Raw tonight and he was at least in Gorilla for the opening segment, if not um, longer. Um, but they had only noted the, the beginning of the show that he was there. But, you know, we got his explanation when asked about the the creative involvement that he is sort of going to be your big picture guy that is going to be overseeing things, but he will not be quote in the weeds, which uh, for those with a good memory, it instantly brought you back to the exact phrasing he used when Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff were hired as executive directors, that Vince would have a overarching view of the creative, but would not be in the weeds. And we know how in the weeds uh, turned out to be back in 2019. And, Mm you know, even, even looking at a big picture, a uh, direction like that, that's going to have an enormous influence. If the big direction is ultimately Vince's call, which it's that that's the the setup that it is going to be, um, you know, time will tell. Um, but you could certainly watch this show and you're watching it and suddenly it's, is bad bunny at a hospital? No, he's at a local medical facility and you're just, you know, all these little things that you're, you're just going to pay closer attention to now. But I think, I don't think anyone is looking at this as though it's uh, some some guarded uh, state secret that Vince McMahon is going to have a hand in directions and and maybe he will uh, at times get into the minutia. I mean, that's I, I don't think anyone should be surprised by that. Uh, exactly. Right into the weeds and uh, and yanking out stuff. And uh, we'll get to it later as well with, with like Fightful's report, like several changes to the show coming as well from the afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. Um I think, you know, just maybe the course of, um, you know, activity that's taken place from January until now, this feels like it's a pretty logical progression. But just to kind of think back to where we were at the end of, you know, January at the start of this year, thinking that he was out of this business, right? At the the very least, you know, um, out as, um, you know, um, the day to day um, to now, I, I think you just have to look at it as just like a real power play that he managed to pull off, you know, to get himself back in through all these various steps and look at it today, you know, face on on TV and uh, in celebration. So 
I, I, listen, I, I've said this before. Like, you, you can have whatever uh, opinion you have of Vince McMahon. He navigated this masterfully from the understanding the power he held as the controlling shareholder to force his way back into the company. Now, one of the biggest obstacles he would have had was to force himself in and the stock tanks. And he had the protective cover of coming and knowing that what is going to overcome any backlash towards me, it's the promise of the 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 gold at the other side of the rainbow, that being a sale. And when he came in, the stock did not go down. It went up because of this clear directive, this clear path that I'm here to navigate a sale. And mm-hmm. the and Wall Street welcomed him back. And that was the only penance he had to worry about. And from there, he navigated himself back into the company. And now it becomes a very interesting question that at least publicly, the stance was he is back here to facilitate the sale of a company. Now that those strategic alternatives have been revealed, now what does his job look like? What is the task when there is not a company to be sold? You are, in theory, the number two in this brand new company. There will be no shortage of things that are needed. But what what does your day-to-day look like? I mean, judging by this interview, Ari Emanuel personally asked him to stay. And um, that probably, you know, is all the justification he needs. Hey, my, I, I was going to leave. This was all I was going to do. But my boss now wants me to be here because he thinks that I'm the only person, I'm the best person for the job, whatever they have to say to justify it, you know. Um, and that's all he needs. And he's back. The big things to look at when the company goes public is obviously what the appetite is for this public offering and what kind of value is assigned to this new company that is going to have to leverage this debt that is being assigned from it from from day one from Endeavor. The other questions are the the health of live sports rights. Ari Emanuel, Nick Khan, they are very bullish on UFC rights, on WWE rights, and they have to be. That is the lifeblood. When you look at the breakdown that they put out of UFC revenues and WWE revenues, you're looking at about uh, 75 73% respectively for these companies that are taking in their last year's revenues from media rights. And you have some major deals that are coming their way in the next couple of years with the in the imminent future are the Ron SmackDown rights that the right of first refusals were going to be accepted this week from the incumbents. And then you have the UFC rights that are not all that far down the road in 2025 when they are up with ESPN. And one of the more interesting articles that came out today was an interview with Nick Khan on Axios that went into several topics. And it included the idea that yes, the television deals will be separate, but the idea of a combined streaming deal with the UFC and WWE is something that could be on the table. And when you're looking at it, here are industries that can become very attractive to an endeavor is here are these companies. They are live events and is something that they want to exploit that are rich in intellectual property that they own completely. They do not have unions or associations and therefore the talent costs can be can be kept at a at a ceiling we know what it is for UFC we don't know what the percentage is in WWE but we know it's not uh, an astronomical percentage so you have that ability to control your costs and at the same time this is 
52 a week year programming with an audience that will also buy not just live tickets. They will buy your big shows pro wrestling, or at least WWE. It would certainly be an experiment to try and go back to any of that. But for your biggest shows, like this is an audience that for many of them, they grew up with the idea that the big show, we pay for that. And I always say that it's not something that your average sports fan was conditioned to that the big game, the finals, you're getting that on television. You're not conditioned to pay $30 for the, the Super Bowl. You are conditioned to pay a lot of money for the big UFC card. And if you had to pay for WrestleMania, I think when push came to shove, you you would. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think when, once they lay everything out, it makes perfect sense why the people who found so much success monetizing the UFC to, you know, its its greatest levels that, that it's ever seen will feel the same confidence in being able to grow the WWE in much the same way. And by combining the two of them and somehow, you know, maybe amplifying the potential of the both of, 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 of those, uh, you know, um, uh, vehicles, I mean... It makes all the sense in the world. So I think when when it goes public, I I have to imagine it's it's a pretty attractive looking, you know, uh, combined company. It becomes interesting of how an ESPN figures into this. Like ESPN has been a huge reason. It's, it's UFC has done a lot for ESPN, but ESPN has done done a lot for UFC. And we do see for the big events, such as like this past weekend, like they sent a crew out there with, with Daniel Cormier and company and ESPN was putting a big spotlight on WWE and you get WWE ingrained in that kind of ESPN coverage. That's a big win for WWE. And again, that's just one of many suitors, but you're, you're looking at these existing relationships and I just think you do have a lot of, a lot of parallels between these two companies when it comes to overseas events looking for big events that you can have site fees for that both companies are exploring and are going to continue to the mm -hmm. idea that we saw to sort of saw by accident last july when you had international fight week and money in the bank both in las vegas that weekend and and you ended up somewhat piggybacking off of one another maybe you want to avoid those weekends but maybe there is a time in the year when it makes sense that we could do a Friday, Saturday, Sunday combo of some sort. Merchandising, John, you know, T-shirt stores, action figures, you know, like if you're making UFC figures, you can draw a deal to, you know, make make a WWE doll. If you're printing WWE shirts, well, you can use the same factory to print a UFC shirt, you know, e e everything, you know, like I, I, I mean, you know, I'm a huge Lego fan. Of course, I follow like that company pretty closely. I look at this as almost like their ability to brand, you know technic to an older more mature audience and the re regular lego to you know little kids like me and then duplo for babies you know you have something for every single section of the market uh, but it's all found in the same store also it's the notion that whenever you see big companies like this come together it is you know today it's all you know uh popping champagne bottles and congratulations and everyone's putting on a, a happy face but there will come a day when, you know, there is the inverse of all that celebratory mood when these companies come together and we all lived through it and covered with the UFC and what went through uh, just, I don't want to say a gutting of that company, but there were key people uh, that were gone. Like their, their Canadian office was totally disrupted. Uh, there, there were people there that had been there, you know, forever and yeah. were, were let go. And that's what happens when, okay, we have this talent relations department and this talent relations department. Well, we don't need to. And when you're taking on uh, such a significant uh, purchase here, like this is all about 
growing revenue and slimming down costs. And that will be mm-hmm. an ongoing struggle. And there will be, unfortunately, like employee casualties with, with a purchase like this. I mean, synergy is one of the big words that they've been touting with this deal. And what does synergy mean? The ability to combine the forces. And when you're combining forces, it means a lot of people are with the similar job as you know the other person are, are going to be out of work. That's just economical sense that's going to be unfortunate and probably within these slides not something you'll see completely touted but that is the exact attraction of combining these teams so it's going to be sad yeah for a lot of people i'm sure Nikon was asked about potential layoffs and he said they were unsure and that an integration team is going to be put into place between both companies in short order and we'll have a lot more in the next week or two uh then he was also asked about the deal that WWE has with the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And this is a 10 year relationship that began in 2018. So still several years left on this deal that endeavor is inheriting with, with this and what and represents again, a large again, amount of revenue per year. Right. And again, the history between Ari Emanuel and endeavor with the Saudis is a little bit complex. Yes, in the fallout of the Jamal Khashoggi murder in October of 2018, there were there was investment from the government of Saudi Arabia in Endeavor that Ari Emanuel essentially stopped after the Khashoggi murder, and you know, it really went out and and put his you know feelings towards that in in a way that you know this this was sizable revenue that was going to be put into Endeavor and. It, it it has been profiled in the years since that he was you know he was very concerned about just uh, personal safety and such. But you know, we are also years removed from that, and it sounds very callous. But with time, uh, when there is large amounts of money to be made, people will contort and learn ways to work with uh, problematic areas when there is a financial benefit. Like that's just the reality. And once you're removed, like it's it's unfortunate, but like a uh, Jamal Khashoggi, it's not as sensitive an issue as it was in 2018, 2019. You're several years removed. And when you're looking at the WWE taking in in the neighborhood of $100 million a year, yeah. again, every every million dollars is appreciated when you're going through a purchase like this. And to say no to that, um, it's very easy for an RE manual to just say, listen, I have a fiduciary duty to my shareholders to not turn that money down and I have to put my my moral compass to the side. That is his well, job. I completely agree with you. Absolutely. I mean, as it's a, it, it might have been a moral decision at the time, but it was also, I'm sure, very much a PR decision. And the the, the stakes in terms of PR for working with Saudi Arabia are probably not as uh, going to be covered as much now. So. To, to add beyond that, if they do continue to, you know, uh, to keep this deal going, do they go one step further further? And can the UFC start doing shows in Saudi Arabia? Because what's what's the hold up there then? You would have no doubt that Saudi Arabia would love to have UFC fights in, in the country. Just the fact of the success that they have had with boxing. And quite frankly, a big UFC fight would be bigger than a big WWE show in mm-hmm. in Saudi Arabia. Uh, but Nikon stated that our relationship with the kingdom is a terrific partnership for which we're appreciative of, and uh, nothing in terms of anyone else's prior experience will affect that. We think that we've delivered the product in the way that the kingdom wanted it delivered. We have a multiple-year agreement with them in place. We're excited to do a show. We'll be back there May 27th for a big premium live event. So getting in a plug there as well on a uh, uh, sensitive issue. Dana White uh, gave a quote that 
This company has been on fire for the last seven years. And now that we will, we will be adding WWE to the portfolio, I am excited to take this to another level. Vince is a savage in the wrestling space. Ari is a beast at what he does. And then add what we at UFC bring to the table. And there is no limit to what this company can accomplish in the next five years. The a savage and, the and a savage. beast. What are we, this thing looks like a, you know, Dungeons and Dragons here. Um, sure, uh, whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, how, I'd love how, to sit in on this meeting. The first so, uh, get, the get to know you uh, dinner. Can you imagine the small talk among this group? Oh, man, I don't know. <laughs> um, so, if we're looking at this chain of command, it's Vince up top here of this new company that's yet to be named. And then underneath will be Dana White and Nick Khan who are sort of the two at least entitled presidents of their respective brands. Although it sounded like from the CNBC interview that, I mean, Dana, like Ari specifically said, Vince will have WWE and Dana will have UFC. Do you anticipate Vince having much involvement with the UFC side of things at all? I don't. Um, I, I can't say that there will be some, um, you know, naturally you want crossover and strategic um, decisions to have that kind of synergy. So that would exist. But the idea of he's not this idea, fights. exactly like I, yeah. as Ari said, like they understand, like we are here to essentially be the engine of these companies. And that is how we have worked with it. We are not getting into the boardroom and booking fights like they run the fight business. We're running the business end. And I think that's what's going to exist. That is not Vince McMahon's world. Will he be leaned on? Will he have input? I mean, it would be natural that there would be more of that, but I, I don't foresee a, a situation where it would be like Vince dictating UFC business. Uh, uh, unless like with TV deals and maybe things like that, even streaming deals. I, I imagine Vince would have quite the voice if when it comes to things. Well, like again, all of this, you bring up that, that those are a lot of powerful figures on that, that spreadsheet. And mm -hmm. when you are looking at just these, domestic rights deals for wwe is nick khan spearheading this like he has been the one doing all the legwork in the years up to this uh but is ari emmanuel now taking more of a leadership position in seeking out those, those television deals like on paper like this looks like your uh your nhl team where you just went out and got all the highest price free yeah. agents and anyone who has seen big time like budget sports teams you can get all the key players together but is there going to be that cohesiveness among people that are very much leaders in their positions and now there might be some you're going to have to defer some of that power as well like mm -hmm. you can look at a nick Khan and an ari emmanuel and that's a dream team to be going out and selling your media rights but who is the one that is the leader that the head of fox's programming will is they get along the can they get along can they coexist the story of nuco maybe they should just go with nuco just stay with it Nuko, that doesn't really. Maybe I, I mean Alpha's taken. Um, he's had Titan in the past. You know what? What? what Alpha what Entertainment. Kind of, well, you don't think he'd go with Omega Entertainment, would you? In the wrestling space, maybe. Okay. Maybe not. Yeah. Well, uh, to be determined. A lot of questions. I should have mentioned this off the top, but Tuesday, uh, Brandon and I, Brandon and I will be back again, and we're going to be joined by CNBC media reporter, the man who broke this story, Alex Sherman, uh, will be on with us live at noon Eastern on the Post Wrestling YouTube channel. So, if you want to hear that interview, we will be live at noon Eastern, and then it will be available after the fact, uh, both on the YouTube channels for WrestleNomics and Post Wrestling, and our respective audio feeds. So, uh, looking forward to talking to uh, Alex Sherman, who has been. Covering this story for a long time and 
was the one to report that the deal was imminent on on Sunday and get everyone bracing for uh, the big sale to be announced early Monday morning. Nothing like a 6.57 a.m. email alert that the company has been sold. I actually didn't sleep from the night prior, so I, I was like it was at kind of at the end of my day. But yeah, pretty exciting morning, I would say. We'll be doing a lot more follow-up on this, but wanted to get everyone up to speed. Again, you can also catch uh, Brandon and I uh, discussing for about an hour and taking a lot of great listener questions as well. We got some very, very good uh, mm-hmm. super chats from from people. WWE also put out uh, a press release about the business of WrestleMania. So we will kind of parse through um, the, the language here. But they stated that WrestleMania became the most social WrestleMania of all time. Uh, it also had... Um, so try and do this math okay night two of wrestlemania 39 surpassed the existing global viewership record by 33 percent just one day after night one of wrestlemania 39 surpassed the existing global viewership record by 28 percent i feel like i'm doing like grade 10 math again that just sounds like gibberish to me this just sounds like another language can you say it a A lot of people people watch this in comparison to the last time a lot of people watched a wwe show WrestleMania 39 generated a gate of more than $21.6 million, breaking the previous record by 27%. So again, it's two nights and the previous record was one night. So you have to put that into um, proper context uh, as well. I I don't know if they considered the previous record another two nights. The singular uh, night record was... The, the first WrestleMania at AT&T Stadium in 2016 that did a gate of $17.3 million. So again, remember, 17.3 for one night, and they did 21.6 this past weekend for two nights. It's an incredible gate figure for all of them, but in particular, that 2016 one, to me, it's, it's more impressive after the fact. And they also broke their all-time sponsorship and merchandise records, sponsorship revenue eclipsing $20 million, more than doubling their previous record. Did you did you notice any sponsorships on the shows? Um, maybe a, a few logos, you know, here and there that I'd, I'd never seen before. Something about taxes, I think. I don't know where these $20 million hmm. went. And merchandise sales were up 20% versus the record set in 2022. A huge, huge weekend. And I would say like the only um, dissatisfaction you sensed was uh, people who left the the main event, if that's what you kind of had uh, your sights set on, like the big feel good moment at the end of WrestleMania. But I would say overall, uh, I thought night one was like an all time great WrestleMania show. And I still would pair like if you group the two nights together uh, among the best WrestleManias of all time, when you're looking at the number of quality matches that you got between the, the two nights, but night one on its own is right up there with the top ones. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, I was tremendously entertained by the two nights. I mean, I, I heard a lot of complaints, not just about the main event, but maybe about some of the pacing in between. I guess I've just come to accept it. You know, it's, it's the type of pacing. I actually thought night one was actually paced really well, but, um, you know, the commercials that they have to air on, on the Peacock free stream are something I've just kind of gotten used to. Um, and as well as like, you know, I could have done maybe without some of those, uh, what is it, uh, the Miz segments, but I guess the Snoop Dogg one actually generated a good, you know, created something pretty interesting by the end, didn't it? Yeah. As two guys that ended up going two and a half hours on Sunday night, I'm not going to knock anyone's pacing. I think maybe we could take a cue as well on, on pacing. Yeah, maybe. Moving on, some unfortunate as we approach news. Approach 30 minutes. I know, I know. Yeah, well, it was a slow <laughs> news day. 
Frank Miller, who was uh, better known as Bushwhacker Butch, member of the Sheep Herders, the Kiwis, uh, many different names, uh, passing away on Sunday at the age of 78. Uh, he had flown from Auckland, New Zealand to L.A. for WrestleMania weekend, and TMZ had just reported that it was some kind of issue with his medication, and it was some short illness that he sustained and passing away at 78. So, um, it, for, um, so sorry, um, Robert Miller, he uh, was his real name, and he started his career all the way back in 1964 and was somebody that, I mean, by the time he got to the WWF, he was 44 years old by that time. So uh, wow. him, like him and uh, Luke Williams, uh, which was the, the gimmick name of uh, Bushwhacker Luke, like they teamed together and they went everywhere, like from... New Zealand, they went to Hawaii, they went to Stampede as the Kiwis, they went to Portland, Mid-Atlantic, um, Puerto Rico was a mainstay for them, like they would always be going uh, to World Wrestling Council for Carlos Colon's group, and then at one point, uh, Butch ended up going back home to Australia, and that's when Luke was teaming up with uh, Jonathan Boyd, uh, before he was in a car accident when they were working for Joe Blanchard in San Antonio, and that's when... Uh, Miller came back, re reunited with 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 Luke, and then they ended up uh, continuing to work with one another and just continuing to go in the territories. They won the tag titles several times in Mid-South, including they were the last reigning tag champions before they were bought out by Jim Crockett promotions. And then they went to, to Jim Crockett in uh, 87 and stayed there for most of 88 before they bolted for the WWF. And that's where they had their run that I would think a lot of people were exposed to them as the sheep herders, which was interesting because these guys were synonymous with these bloodbaths that they would have, of course, in Puerto Rico, but as the sheep herders all over the U.S. And then they come into the bush in, into the WWF as this children's act that would come out and lick fans faces in a, uh, a very pre COVID era of uh, interaction with, with wrestlers. And we're just like a comedy team. I mean, not, um, you know, again, these guys were at this point, 44 and 42 respectively when they got to the company. And it was like, not, not like great wrestling at a time when WWF, WWF was not selling great wrestling and their act. I'm sure it, de it depended on your uh, level of fandom of how much, but a, a very popular, very memorable uh, mid card tag team, but a, a strong departure. If you had the prior ex exposure to them as the sheep herders who were like this really violent and uh, very unbushwhacker ish uh, team. So th they were on and off with WWF throughout the, uh, up until the mid nineties and then hit the independence. They did a, not so well-remembered match at the Heroes of Wrestling pay-per-view against the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov. Uh, they came back for the gimmick battle royal at WrestleMania seven, uh, 17. And I remember this so clearly was the Hall of Fame ceremony in 2015. It was in San Jose. And I went to the Hall of Fame and I watched it by myself because way... Uh, was busy having a grappling contest and therefore <laughs> I was there by myself and all all I remember clearly was the bushwhackers came up and they had the most awesome speech they were just themselves but it was so entertaining and that to me it was just this great speech um, that they had and they were just so fun uh, to hear so that was sort of their their last big uh, public spotlight uh, a number of years ago at the hall of fame ceremony and Interestingly enough, a, a book on their careers uh, had just come out from a John 
Crowther, who uh, wrote their book, Blood, Sweat and Cheers, uh, that had just come out. So if you want to learn more about them, uh, that is out there as well. But he was 78 years old, so very unfortunate. And um, don't know the the specifics about what exactly the illness was, but um, yeah, had just landed in L.A. for, you know, Mania Weekend stuff. Yeah, I had heard about him being hospitalized, you know, as part of just everything going on, uh, all the news maybe coming out of the particular weekend. And uh, this is really, really sad. You know, he is, I think, uh, part of a handful of, for me at least, like these sort of like real life cartoon characters from that sort of like Hulk Hogan late 80s, early 90s era that I still remember very fondly. Um, So you know i'm sure anybody who was a wrestling fan at the time knows the bushwhackers and had a real impression of just the gimmick i believe you and i had a chance of uh, to actually record interviews with both bushwhackers at one point john um at, at independent wrestling shows here in canada and so they they're always around the circuit and uh yeah this is really unfortunate really sad yeah um, one figure that I, I really want to do a lot more uh, digging into who, um, you know, Dave Meltzer put out that he had passed away. And that is Max Crabtree, who was an enormous influential uh, promoter in the in the UK during, you know, the, the height of, you know, uh, wrestling on network television and working with uh, joint promotions. Uh, he was the brother of uh, Shirley Crabtree, Big Daddy, who was uh, an enormous star in that part of the world. Uh, his brother also involved Brian, um, but j- just passing away. So uh, we'll probably have more on him uh, later this week, but did want to mention that as well. Uh, Fightful was the first to report that uh, Jagger Reed and Rip Fowler of uh, the Schism had apparently requested their releases from WWE and the Wrestling Observer followed up that they had been granted their releases. So uh, certainly throwing a curveball into the schism after their loss and, you know, not securing Chase U on Saturday. And we will see what, what is, what is next for them? I mean, they were a very good team in a really just, I I just never have latched on to this group. Um, You know, Joe Gacy's a good talker, but this is a group that I just, I, I don't see it really working, and uh, I, I don't know what they're, uh, you know, obviously, they if they want their release, they figure there, there's better options elsewhere. And they've also been in NXT for a while, and once you're there for so long, it's sort of the writing on the wall of, okay, are we are we moving forward, or are we just stagnant? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought they, they were on a pretty decent trajectory when they came over here just as a grizzled young vets, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry, I don't know which one is Jagger Reed and which one is Rip Fowler. I'm looking at these names and I'm like, what the what the fuck? Like if I, I believe <laughs> I believe Fowler is on the right and Reed is on the left. Like these are the most W terrible names. names. Jagger, Reed, and Rip Fowler. You know, like creative like j- just name generator types of names. But like um like uh, uh, Fowler is on the on the right, <laughs> whatever. The, like the one guy could really promo incredibly well and, and they're an excellent in-ring tag team so i mean i don't know if you hear too often these days like you know people asking for the releases just because they are frustrated and they want to see what's out there in the indies especially right now when an AEW is already so congested themselves um but good for them for wanting to you know thinking that they can achieve more than than their role offers 
Then we had a SmackDown numbers from Friday, 2,484,000 viewers up 12% from the week before and a 0.69 in the demo, which was up 19%. So they were first among network programs and third for the night on television behind the coverage of the Iowa, South Carolina women's basketball game. Largest 18 to 49 audience since Christmas Day of 2020, which is an aberration because that was the show that had the huge NFL lead in. So a, a huge number for them in 18 to 49 and their highest audience since the uh, SmackDown going into the Royal Rumble back in January. They also did uh, one of their biggest numbers in years in Canada, 315,700. They had just topped 300,000 a few weeks ago, and this was even higher. So another big, big number going into WrestleMania weekend. Rampage was back to its normal time slot of Friday at 10 Eastern, and it was not good news. 340,000 viewers down so what I did was I compared to the last time they were on Friday at 10 p.m. rather than the change in time and change in nights. So from three weeks ago, when they aired at Friday at 10, they were down 24% in viewers and down 35% in the demo, uh, a 0. 0.10. It was their lowest audience in their regular night and time ever, uh, 41st among cable originals. And this was a show that it was not just like Hall of Fame and Supercard of Honor that you were going against. There was also that giant women's basketball game that was going on. So it's like even regular programming was uh, significant in terms of cable competition. But I I think just your wrestling audience that would be more inclined to be watching a Rampage, um, even like the AEW consumer had a, a competitive option in Supercard of Honor, granted a pay-per-view. But nonetheless, this was a show that I it came and went on Friday and I did not sense any attention paid to the show and i wonder if it's for a reason like this that might maybe um give AEW some pause of advertising a supercard of honor too more too harshly on their shows it could be like it's it's certainly your you know tony khan made a big deal about that last year for supercard that they were okay with them promoting it knowing that we're running a show that is technically going against our 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 rampage show that is the one that you are promoting and paying for so it's you know they run these on the on the friday night and it's it's a tricky night when you've got uh rampage as well but i I think there's a lot larger issues with rampage than just this one week um Mm -hmm. i would hope that it it rebounds somewhat but it's still a show that you know it has its issues that we always go over and before we get to raw nxt on tuesday night they've only announced two matches pretty deadly against tony d'angelo and channing lorenzo Odyssey Jones takes on Dijak, and that is all of our fallout from uh, NXT. And no no call-ups on Raw. No, none today. No hints, no vignettes, nothing. Mm-mm. Dynamite on Wednesday has uh, 10 million things that they are promoting. MJF Day will take place on Long Island. The Guns put their titles up against the careers of FTR. House of Black defend the trios belts against Orange Cassidy and the Best Friends. Jamie Hayter against Riho for the women's title. Hook against Ethan Page for the FTW title. So we have four title matches. Juice Robinson against Ricky Starks. Sammy Guevara against Commander. The BCC will speak. The acclaimed are going to give their answer to the JAS. And Tony Khan has a very important announcement. That is a lot of graphics on this image. It's always a lot of people. Yeah, always a game of seeing how many um, names, how many open mouths versus how many closed mouths. Um, I mean, this is not that unusual for Dynamite, but especially this week, maybe um, coming off of a WrestleMania, maybe AEW wants to grab a bit more of the conversation. So we'll see if they can do that with this particular show. 
They're also taping Ring of Honor on Wednesday night and have announced Athena and Mio Yamashita for the women's title. And they're not doing Rampage because Rampage will be on Friday night where they're doing Rampage and Battle of the Belts from Kingston, Rhode Island. And it turns out Rampage is airing at 10. Battle of the Belts is airing at 11 on Friday night. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay. We have to have an off-air discussion on what we're doing on Friday night. I just I hear nothing about it. I mean, I guess they'll they'll announce the card on on Wednesday, and we'll see if it's um if there's that much interest. Um, yeah, we'll we'll have a conversation and let us know. Let us know, audience. Like, do you guys care about these shows? You know, or would you rather just we skip ahead and you know just talk about Ram- uh, SmackDown and, and start a bit earlier? Is there interest in hearing t- us talk about it? We'll see what the matches are at least. Well, Raw, from Monday night at the Crypto.com Arena in L.A., it was a sold-out show. And as we noted, um, Fightful, earlier in the day, they had reported, like, the plans for Raw. And the original plans had included two women's three-way matches for sort of like a contenders tournament. And then that ended up getting shifted. And in their place was the women's tag match we got with Raquel and Liv Morgan against Dakota Kai and Io Sky. They had also noted um, there were updated format sheets and that Vince McMahon was in Gorilla at least for the first segment. But um, between that, um, you know, late changes and stuff like it, it could be coincidence, but it's certainly fingerprints of a you know prior regime. That that was going to be maybe the the biggest sign of um, something being amiss is, you know, late changes. Um, but it's hard to say definitively, but I definitely think it showed in the quality of this particular show. Well, Paul Levesque starts the show. He puts over everyone in the back that puts their bodies on the line, the staff, the crew that pull off WrestleMania weekend, Stu, the camera operator for all that he does. And dude, Hunter loved this WrestleMania set. He just could not get enough of it. And then he thanks the fans and WWE is dominating the news today. But Paul is here to assure you that they are not going anywhere. And he echoes the opening signature then, now, together, forever. Wade, mm-hmm. WWE isn't going anywhere. I mean, well, he, the, it's true. It's it's not. Um, I guess I just... I was, wa- anyone, was anyone concerned about that? Was that on the table? So, so, yeah, like yesterday after the press conference, he said pretty similar as well, unprompted. You know, he closed off the press conference by saying those words. And I just found it incredibly odd that he would couch this sort of news of the sale. Um, I guess, is it, is it a sale? Is it a merger? Like they've been trying to present it as a merger. But, I mean, it, it, why not run with that? It's, it's one know? company having, you know, it's it's a... Small majority, but it is a majority nonetheless. I, I think it's just parsing. You know, I, I understand there is a distinction, but there's a new boss. They ha- they all have a new that boss. That is it. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think in that sense, it is a sale. But, like, I also don't know why, like, Levesque would need to maybe assure anybody of any sort of concern because at least I don't I don't see that concern at all from the audience. There's no concern about people saying, Oh no! What this is? What is this going to? I guess the only concern has been the pay per view pricing model, and that certainly was not something he was going to address. And I don't think he was attempting to even, you know, broach that sort of topic on, in this particular thing. But I just found it odd of, of, of how much he was playing defense, you know, um, against what idea that like what WWE was going to change now because of this news. It I was also interesting that, that I, I mean, I'm not, I was not surprised, but 
you know, when they do the WrestleMania stuff and all the headlines and stuff, like I was curious if they were going to present the the sale news. Like it's this is not like bad news for them. Like it is something... it makes them a more powerful company. Yeah, yeah but I, the I, words I... endeavor were never said and it was more almost UFC. like like Paul Levesque, honestly, like if you were like living under a rock today and you did not pay attention, you could have watched this opening segment. And I don't think your takeaway was this company has been sold and the biggest one of the biggest news stories ever occurred today. No, I don't think absolutely. you'd have that conclusion. It was not like they were in this big mode of like promoting the fact that this deal has been completed and maybe there will be a time for that. But it was obviously like it was like that was the real world. And we are. It's the night after WrestleMania. WrestleMania is the full the full focus of the show. Yeah. I imagine if you're watching the show, you'd probably be you know well aware of exactly what he was alluding to. But I mean, I, I don't think uh, children would know, nor do I necessarily wonder if children would care. And maybe, maybe there, there's some thinking there is like, oh, like, you know, we want to maintain the illusion. Um, but I, I again, I, I don't know why he would necessarily need to assure anybody that things were going to stay the same because i don't i certainly wasn't under the impression that anything was about to change this would be something i'd be promoting this is like something that i mean like vince said you know is the biggest deal that they've ever made it gives more power to this company on a mainstream level and it allow it will allow them you know the ability to be bigger than it ever has been so i i don't know why he would frame this in a negative light i thought also um we mentioned earlier today as well that when uh, Vince McMahon sent out an email internally in the company, it did include the line that Paul Levesque is staying on as the chief creative executive. Uh, so that mm-hmm. that line was in there if there was any doubt. I mean, that line was in there and they were and they did have a call today with uh, with both uh, employees and there were also like meetings with uh talent at tv yeah it's been kind of um maybe illuminating to me to see how much the topic of vince mcmahon whether or not vince mcmahon is going to be a part of creative how much that's permeated outside of our little bubble like on on in cnbc on on these interviews and these articles i'm reading from a mainstream business world they're mentioning that you know like it, it it's it's become such a big issue now and it seems to be the chief concern of at least the audience that um i i certainly don't see them publicly ever announcing that vince has any sort of role and continuing to assure the audience that paul Levesque is in charge roman reigns then is brought out and he comes out with Heyman and solo sokoa they had a lot of heat and he says, Hollywood, acknowledge me. And he is interrupted by Cody Rhodes, who comes out and he is selling his ribs. He's holding on and comes in and he acknowledges that Reigns was the better competitor last night. Wishes that Solo Sokoa didn't have to be a factor and we could just have a one-on-one match because last night I had you. And Cody wants a rematch. Heyman turns him down. And or first he says, when do you want this rematch? And Cody says, tonight. Heyman declines and says, not tonight, not in Puerto Rico, not at SummerSlam, not at Survivor Series, not at Guilty as Charged, nowhere. No, uh, no rematch for Cody. And then Cody calls out the chicanery of Paul Heyman that he's not going to stand tonight. And he's not in a normal mood tonight. So Cody says, let's do something. Let's have a tag match. And after consulting with Heyman, Reigns accepts but on the provision that if someone is stupid enough to team with you tonight in this tag match, they can never challenge Roman Reigns as long as he is champion. And with that, Brock Lesnar's music plays. And Corey Graves reminds us that Brock Lesnar, after losing to Reigns at SummerSlam last August, last July, 
can never challenge Roman again. So therefore, the stipulation does not apply to Brock Lesnar as long as Roman is champion and is going to team with Cody. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was a bit of a weird... I understand why they did it, of course, you know, just to kind of like have a, a one-up on, on, on the bloodline and, and Paul Heyman. But um, like in story, in kayfabe, isn't that a bit of a weird request from the bloodline like why wouldn't Heyman put that restriction on Cody and instead put that restriction on the opponent that was to walk out there was a lot of this that I just found it was just like the logic of it all number one is that that's I don't think they ever repeated this stipulation when uh Brock was going into the Royal Rumble this year like don't you think that that should have been a well what's a great point yeah it's like yes, Roman could have lost the title before WrestleMania, but right. what we uh, this scenario? I mean, that obviously does not sell the match. Well, he could be that- he could challenge for the NXT Championship, okay? He like like Charlotte did. He could challenge for for the IC. All viable options, yeah. Had Brock won, on top of it, okay, we we can like uh, mix in the the angle at the end of all this. If you are Brock Lesnar, and we we assume you want to get to the title, would it not? play to your strategy to befriend Cody and get him towards this rematch. And then you turn on him when he wins this title. Like you have no chance back to this title. Like what's well, what's well, he's going to have a, have need a hell of an explanation next week. I think for why he well, turned on him. Well, there, there were definitely questions left a- after this. So I did appreciate our- at least for a few hours, we had best friend Cody and Brock Lesnar. Look how much these two were playing it up. You know, like, I don't know if they've ever had any sort of on-screen interaction. I um, wish, I wish they did at least like one backstage segment instead of just segment one and the final segment of the night, like just something that it's like, it's goofy Brock. And it's the last time we're going to have goofy Brock for a long time. And mm-hmm. just kind of cements that, okay, these two are like buds now. And it would have made the turn to me a little bit more, um, you know, just, just have some more like uh, we're doing a two hour turn here or three hour yeah. turn. So g- yeah. give me a little something. Well, we don't know how many dates Brock has, you know, maybe he's not going to show up for a bit. Omos and Elias. Elias died in a minute 42 with a treat. So again, uh, so this was an hour uh, commercial free hour. First first hour was commercial free. They have the uh, NCAA men's basketball final between um, UConn and San Diego that was taking place um, at nine o'clock. So I guess this was the unopposed hour that they wanted to load up. Yeah. And that means they would have been shooting the big angle with Bad Bunny pretty much. that was that was that right at the top of the hour? I think it was like right around the crossover was the big bad bunny angle. Okay. So anyway, well, the game uh, I, I pro- tip off I, I looked up probably wasn't until like nine twenty, so they might have. Okay, so that, that was smart people. to do that angle before the the big surge for the basketball game. Hmm. Uh, Omos and Elias. It was just real quick, minute forty two. Uh, no angle with Omos. Just uh, you know, gets a win after the loss to Brock Lesnar. Oh my god! Like. This show, dude, like, <laughs> yes, it was an hour commercial free and you had some significant angles as we will uh, talk about. There were two big angles on the show, two big angles. And one of them was certainly not Triple H coming out and delivering his announcement. The dude said nothing, you know, barely addressed whatever, you know, like he thanked everybody, which was a nice gesture, but hardly something that deserved I, I, my attention for whatever the billing was. And then the rest of this show was dog shit 
there was nothing going on. I mean, no, you know, like it, it, it just felt like it was, uh, I don't know if it was a limited roster or what, like maybe one good match beyond that, just very it, it's like, the show minimal you built up to be the show that you're going to get surprises. You're going to get like the, the return was riddle, um, which it didn't or, light anyone's or world Or just at the fire. very least, like the beginning of a new story or something, or, or, or like some sort of, you know, interesting direction. This was about as, as bare bones of a raw as we've seen in a long, very long time. bare bones, very bare bones. The Usos knocked on Roman's door. This, this part was interesting. And Heyman answers and ins- explains that Roman's taken a has left for a moment to talk to Solo. And he has instructed the Usos to go wait on the jet and enjoy the seafood. And as the Usos leave, Paul turns around and says, I took care of it, tribal chief. Meaning that Roman was inside the locker room and just doesn't want to be around the Usos. So th- there is a seed planted there now that the Usos have lost the tag titles and what is their relationship with the bloodline now that they have no perceived value to Roman. Mm, I like it. I like I mean it, it continues this uh you know potential babyface turn of the Usos that they've already been uh setting in motion. So I like the way that Heyman was able to reveal at the end that Roman was still in the room. I thought it was well done. Kathy Kelly interviewed Bad Bunny at ringside, uh, accompanied by Pat LaProd, and he explained that he is going to be hosting Backlash, and he's excited to bring WWE back to Puerto Rico. Ray comes out, greets Bad Bunny, and then he's talking about his Hall of Fame induction when Austin Theory interrupts, insults Ray's parenting skills, insults the crowd, and mocks the audience that Cena warned me about you fans, that I can't be touched and the chant for Cena says Cena's not here. He's a part-timer. And it leads to Ray threatening to kick his teeth out and they have a match. Um, not the night after WrestleMania segment for Austin Theory that I think no. people are going to be looking back on and thinking, wow, this was a this was a turning point. Yeah, really. I, I was looking to the night after WrestleMania almost as important as the match with John Cena itself because this you could say what you want about the match. There was there have been a lot of criticisms and I I think justified. Um but more important was the ability for him to be able to talk about beating John Cena to make to to really absorb all the value of actually being in the record book somebody who's beaten John Cena by just gloating about it and making it feel like the biggest win of his entire life he was just a bit of a supporting role here you know in this Ray Dominic program and that to me was a little bit disappointing you know not to say we can't get that in the future and obviously coming out of this he got he got another sort of notch in his belt for this legend killer gimmick he's building up um and maybe we'll get the promo next week because i guess after beating ray he can you know continue to claim that he's beating all these legends well i'll say this i I thought this was a much better match than the wrestlemania match that he had with, with with ray um you know he did and it's worth noting like theory has been on the road every weekend working Seth Rollins on these house shows. So after months of that, like you, you would hope like this guy is making advancements working night after night, or at least weekend after weekend uh, with Rollins on, on these shows. So uh, some of the highlights uh, theory d- delivered this giant spin off his shoulders. The crowd is chanting. You tapped out the six one nine gets cut off by this big clothesline. And then theory rolls and gets caught by Ray sent into the ropes. And as, uh, Ray is setting up for the 619. Dominic comes to the apron. Ray is temporarily distracted. And when he goes for the 619, he is caught by Theory and it's turned into the A Town down in 924. But this was not a segment about Austin Theory, though he did get the win. And Dominic, 
attacks Ray alongside Damian Priest. They're booing Dominic, and Dominic spots Bad Bunny, walks up to him, and then Dominic goes to hit him. Bad Bunny blocks the punch, and he punches Dom as Priest then yanks Bad Bunny over the barricade. They're arguing. Of course, we have the history between Bad Bunny and Damian Priest, and he tries to calm him down, but then Bunny nails Dominic again. So now Priest attacks Bad Bunny and hits him with the South of Heaven, choke slamming him through the desk. And Corey Graves, that's an artist, man. And Corey Graves was like giving this, like the concern that, oh my God, maybe the WWE is going to go away because we are going to get sued into oblivion by this man. And at the end of this, Corey was actually, Corey was pretty great on the show. I, I thought I loved and, him screaming about the, Hey priest, this is going to be, it's going to cost you a lot of money. He's, he's yelling at priest. And then Corey Graves apologizes. I'm so sorry to all of bad bunnies fans on behalf of WWE. <laughs> I figured they're going to get death threats for destroying this man in this angle. But Ray is out to check on him. And it looks to be our, our setup for the backlash match and looking probably like a tag match. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, despite what Triple H said, I, this absolutely looks like, I mean, the dude took a choke slam on a table tonight. So I'm pretty sure he will be physically involved and uh, build part of this particular matchup. I thought this turned out great. You know, this was my favorite thing on this entire show. Um, what a lovely way to parlay this Ray Dom story into this mega, what I would presume to be the main event of this Puerto Rico show with sure. now added mainstream appeal with the attachment of a bad bunny wrestling, you know, um, you, you can't have a hotter story in order to focus on a Latino market than ha this Ray and Dominic program right now and adding bad buddy on top of it. All the pieces are in perfect place for this huge match. And along the way, I think you're going to be rising, raising a lot of people up with you. And that of course now includes Damien priest who did not have a WrestleMania match, but this will more than make up for it. In my opinion, he's going to be portrayed as like the big threat heading into this match and playing up the history he has with bad bunny, I think really makes for a pretty interesting dynamic. Um, and the LWO, of course, you know, I'm sure we'll be playing a big supporting act along the way as well. Yeah, I mean, obviously the hope is that this will get a lot of attention in the next day or so uh, of doing this angle on television. And this is the kind of thing that I think is, you know, WWE, they have aggressively tapped into a lot of celebrities. And I think that this is, this is going to be a big uh, a big project for them continuing much beyond. But this is uh, everything aligning for a big show in Puerto Rico. And I think it kind of shows that you could have the babyface win the big match and the heel can regain his heat. The very next show. No problem. That's it. That's it. Just put a guy through a desk and we're all, we're all even uh, Pierce is upset with Damien priest and priest defends it saying, how about that same energy for bad bunny getting involved on Saturday? You weren't upset about that. And if I didn't like bad bunny, it would have ended up even worse. Owens and Zane come out and they are basking in the, the glow of their win on Saturday. The audience is singing Olay Sammy says he wouldn't have done this without the fans and they want to have a fight tonight. So the street profits come out and they issue the challenge to Owens and Zane, which I mean, Owens and Zane had like opened it up to anyone. Like, I don't think we had to go through this whole debate. And then we go to commercial. Will it be made official? I was, I was at the edge of my seat. Would it be made official? I'm waiting for one time. They come back and say, you know what, folks didn't get <laughs> approval. We're moving on. 
Owens and Zayn against the Street Profits for the undisputed tag titles. So I guess this is their their four way win. This is their title shot. Um, yeah, it looked like it. I, I, I thought that they would actually delay this a little bit. You know, maybe build up the Street Profits a little bit more, but they decided to just cash in tonight. There was a sunset bomb by Sami Zayn onto Ford. Uh, they lifted up Zayn on Dawkins' shoulders, and Ford hits what Craves calls the biggest blockbuster Hollywood has seen in months, which was a good line. Owens comes in, cannonball, swanton, Dawkins makes the save, and then Ford hits a topic on hero landing on his feet. It looked incredible. The from, from the heavens misses, and then he's caught with the stunner, and Sammy just pushes Ford into the corner, and now he does this delayed death stare before hitting the Haluva kick and man this Haluva kick it just it just looks awesome 12.55 your champions retain and uh the street profits all right they had a great match at wrestlemania they can uh, yeah. hang their hat on that i i thought the showcase match was really good and for me it really reinvigorated like my interest in the tag division knowing how good tag team wrestling can be in the wwe um especially the main event i thought this was a good match but i was more so disappointed in just me asking whether or not this felt important and whether or not they're dedicated to actually creating interesting storylines for their tag teams. And yeah, this is just supposed to be maybe a, you know, big statement showcase match for your new champions. I was disappointed that they chose the street profits for it because I thought there was going to be a bit more value put into the street profits before they got to this, you know, tag team challenge, a bit more value put into a story and a real rivalry that they could build between these two teams before actually getting there. Instead, it seemed like it was just kind of played for this one night thing. And then what do you do with the street profits? Where, you know, where, where do they go back? You know, it just seems like they're back in the middle and the entire division suffers. Uh, who, you know, I, I mean, maybe the who's next for, for uh, what is it? Owens and Zayn. That could feel like it could be a main event. Beyond a rematch with the Usos, I don't know if you have that that team. Like you have not built up a whole lot of supporting teams. Like you can you can pick a Braun and a Ricochet. Like I think you Sheamus, can have some. I think Sheamus and Drew will probably reunite. Yeah, that's down the road though. I don't think you can just do that immediately. Right. Yeah. This post wrestling podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On Nerd Wallet Smart Money Podcast. Their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Kelly interviewed Seth Rollins in the back and he summons his theme to play. So he comes out and we come back from break and he's just soaking in the fans singing his song in the middle of the ring and he leaves. And that was it. They just sang. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of Seth Rollins promos, but I, I would have probably preferred he, he actually have something to say. I know the song is really, you know, all there is, but th- there is just, um, Unless you're there live and unless you really love the song, I I guess there's no point for me watching at home um, for this entire thing. So it just felt like they had no material. Way, you're you're being unfair. Let let me continue. Let on. this play out. Okay. Exactly. Because next we had a huge angle. 
Kathy Kelly was with Bobby Lashley, who was coming off a memorable weekend, and he's frustrated about not wrestling at WrestleMania. So Bronson Reed walks up to him and calls him uncle because you've taught me things and I could be your pupil. You taught me how to lose in the Andre Battle Royal. And eventually, the pupil can school the teacher. So Lashley challenges him to a match. Reed says, I can't do it tonight. But eventually, you will learn your lesson. What was this? This was a terrible promo, is what it was. Unfortunately, we're going to have to get more of this. They're holding this off. That This is the big match to come down the road. Instead... Oh, Mustafa Ali comes in and he says that Lashley just needs to think more positive Ali and Lashley just gets sick of it. He throws this guy into the ring. They have an impromptu match that goes 39 seconds and he submits Ali uh, with the hurt lock. Um, yeah. I'm wondering if, if Ali was uh, texting with uh, the schism saying, Hey guys, how did you do it? <laughs> yeah. Um, all of this was terrible. You know, we had wondered, well, what, what follow-up do they have? Like, they, they gave uh, Bobby Lashley the Andre win. He must be setting something up for WrestleMania night. They set him up for a walkout with the trophy. And then we said, well, okay, if not, then then probably Monday, right? They must have a big direction Nothing. for Bobby Lashley. Man, it's Bronson Reed, dude. And then it's like, not to say there's anything wrong with it, but the, but this interaction in the back just made this thing feel so Look at Look at how they handled Bronson Reed in the Elimination Chamber. Mm-hmm. And what did they do in those six weeks since? Very little. What is it, like Elias or something? Yeah. Like, this just feels like such a mid-card program. Reigns and Heyman are with Sokoa, and Reigns asks if his cousins are gone. Heyman says they're in the jet, and Reigns asks, did you know that Brock would be here? And Heyman says, the night after WrestleMania? This is usually when Brock leaves everyone hanging for six to nine months. How did He just asks, how did this happen? And Heyman says, Lesnar has nothing to lose. So Reigns explains he's going to tag in solo tonight to prove to Cody who is ready. Bianca comes out and she thanks Oscar and she was really trying to get the crowd going here. They were not going crazy here and she was trying to like amp them up and she is interrupted by Rhea Ripley who calls Bianca Belair the luckiest woman in WWE because I chose Charlotte over you but promises Bianca that they will get back to this and the whole crowd they start chanting mommy and Belair says, you didn't choose me for a reason. And when you're ready, then we'll see who is the best of the best. So Rhea just stands down and leaves. And then Liv and Raquel walk out. And Raquel gives a stare to Rhea and keeps walking. Mm -hmm. So this match is going to happen. It just seems that it's not going to happen for a while. Oh, this is their long-term program. And they've already kind of teased, you know, interactions with with each other. Uh, I mean, you you could drag this out probably as long as, you know, to the next year's SummerSlam. Um, but the problem like, is what they will be doing with these two in between that time. <laughs> that is going to be part of the problem. But listen, uh, Rhea and Charlotte did not have a great build, and we're all coming out of the weekend talking about it. So I'm sure the in-ring will be great, and ultimately that is the thing, the most important thing. Um, I like this segment. It was like a nice callback to you know what they did two years ago back in NXT when these two NXT alumni went back to NXT with their belts celebrating with Raquel. So this, you know, having Raquel being a part of tonight's iteration, I thought was an interesting little callback to it. I think it also seems to tease um, Rhea versus Raquel as maybe Raquel's upcoming program, Rhea's upcoming program over on SmackDown. So, yeah. And how much Rhea is on Raw and SmackDown. Like I could see her just floating back and forth for Mm -hmm. the sake of the judgment day. 
Liv and Raquel against Dakota Kai and Io Sky. So the winners will get a tag title shot next week. Uh, it's our Raquel uh, powerbomb Liv to the floor, the spot that they have been doing together. Raquel then tries to lift up Kai for the Tahana bomb, but Sky holds her from the apron to prevent it. But then Sky is knocked down. Tahana bomb is hit, followed by Oblivion in 704. Liv and Raquel will take on Becky and Lita next week in Seattle. Yeah, I'm sorry. Just like a pretty nothing standard. Like, well, so, someone said we cannot have this one night tournament. We need this tag match. We need this on the show. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I don't know. Does like it, it, it's a it's a tag match like with with no real grudge, no promos, no just you know nothing nothing no interaction and you don't always need it you know you, you could just promote dream match and and really sometimes that's all you need but I, I i think you need a little bit more the miz comes out and he mentions he is done with surprises after having more matches than anyone at wrestlemania with pat mcafee george kittle jumping shane mcmahon who he beat so badly he couldn't finish the match and Snoop Dogg sucker punched him and gave me the worst people's elbow. Tonight, it's a new season. No more surprises. Matt Riddle returns. And Corey Graves says, we haven't seen Riddle in months. Nearly a year. The man has been out since December. So Maybe Miz, he hasn't seen him. Well, Miz attacks Riddle. And then Riddle fights back and hits him with the bro Derek. And we're going to get this match next week. Yeah. Yeah, um, the one big surprise on the show, I don't know if it was, yeah, I don't know if it was that big of a surprise. Um, Is is there interest in in a Matt Riddle? Like, I feel like the interest in him has really cooled off. Um, I think it's, um, I think he's starting it. It's not like this was some crazy return pop. It was, yeah. I don't know. It just didn't feel like it, it was also him coming back, the same character. It was, I don't know. I just. I think he's working to, you know, um, build himself back up. I think he's starting at like a lower point. I think at this point, the Miz is going to turn babyface with how much he's just, you know, being used to set these these people up. You know, he he's like taking beatings three days in a row. I'll, I'll tell you this: this will certainly be a, a bit of a litmus test on on the creative front. Is if Riddle goes for revenge against Solo Sokoa, who took him out. Right. Okay. Then Graves notes that Bad Bunny has been taken to a local medical facility and he might have a separated shoulder, which is an injury that I'm sure he can come back to in time for the first weekend of May. You're going to hold a microphone. That that could be tough. Yeah. Might need to have a headset. Saxton interviews Becky, Lita, and Trish. And uh, Becky says they're going to raise the prestige of the tag title starting next week. And you're led to believe like Trish is just going to like hang out with them and come to the yeah. match next week and i guess we're just on angle alert until they're ready to do something because trish is just like the the third wheel yeah yeah I, i'm sure they kind of want you to feel that way you know and i think it's fine you know like taking pacing this just a little bit there's no urgency right now in trying to build to a mini moment or anything like that um and they're giving them airtime. let's see yeah how technically they got a minute here on television so yeah. they did get airtime. Uh, so those are the two matches for next week. And then it is what they had promoted all night long is the biggest tag match in Raw history. Brock's first tag match, actually, since his New Japan run. He did have a tag match in New Japan. So we're we're talking about like 18 years. 
So Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa against Cody Rhodes, and we're doing the in-ring introductions of the men when all of a sudden Brock destroys Cody Rhodes and hits him with a pair of F5s, and he's just prodding over top of Cody. And given the segment that this was in, it was 10.52 when he attacked Cody, and I instantly knew no one's coming to save Cody, and we are going to get Brock beating on this man for eight minutes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There was a big gap of where were Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn who had this guy's back 24 hours ago. They need to explain that. Sure. Yeah. Like they could have easily just had the segment where they're celebrating their win and they take off in their car. And that's a 30 second backstage tape taping. Yeah. Yeah. Like you just did the save last night. I thought that was glaring uh, for, for, for one of these when you had just done it the night before, but nonetheless, um, if you are listening carefully, Corey Graves completely called this segment. Like there was so little reaction from Kevin Patrick. It was all Corey Graves. He was the one that I have no doubt had like whatever voice in his ear and was directing. And it was him just pretty much calling all of this um, as Kevin Patrick just like rode shotgun, which is just interesting. Like being like, it's the color guy that's like handling your big angle, but um, he just, drives the steps into Cody, uh, hits the uh, the timekeeper's bell. La- he took a chair at one point, and he launched this thing, and it was uh, bringing you back to that door being thrown. He just threw this thing into orbit. Um, Pierce is out. The officials are out and does further damage to the ribs of Cody as he F5s him onto the steps, stands over top of him in the ring, and then – uh, goes to leave, but then comes back with a chair with more chair shots. They're searching for any concerned looks in the crowd that they can cut to. And then at the end, Lesnar just stands on top of the stage and gives the middle fingers as the show ends. And we have uh, th- this was the other s- big angle of the night, uh, getting to a Cody Brock Lesnar match at some point down the road. And your detour for Cody Rhodes to get him away for Roman Reigns as he is denied a rematch. And they've got all keep those two away as far as they need to. And uh, Brock is a good distraction. Like they can, they can delay this match too. Like, I don't know if Brock's doing Puerto Rico, but that would probably be the earliest you could do this. If not Mm. stretching it longer to Saudi Arabia. Did you get assurance tonight from, from watching that they were going to go back to Roman versus Cody after a long period? I think that they will eventually get there, but it was certainly like they have created the obstacle for him. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I was pretty assured just by the way, you know, Cody introduced the rematch idea. Um, and I thought Cody sounded pretty good in just being pissed off and being fired up and wanting revenge. So I think for that reason, I can see that they might be building up back up to a rematch. But you never know. You never know. This could have already been the end of this story, you know, at the end of this, you know, uh, rivalry w- w- between Cody and, and Roman. Um, and and with this detour to Brock Lesnar, it just kind of gives them gives the men out to cut this off, which would be disappointing. But as well, a follow- well, no, like, I mean, that is the money in the bank is that tool that they can easily explain like that bypasses um anything like that's Mm -hmm. it's not like this was some agreed upon stipulation it is roman is denying him a rematch but if you get your opportunity with money in the bank that sets up the rematch for cody and that could set up SummerSlam. that could set up um where you go so they Mm -hmm. have the obstacle there your goal is going to be to recreate what you had built up for the last three months and we will see if they can do it or not it was um they built it up pretty damn big for sunday night so now Mm -hmm. the 
the goal is or the the job is to start over and hopefully you have something equal if not bigger the for the second one well as a follow-up program for cody Rhodes, that is just you know lost to roman reigns i think brock lesnar is pretty pretty damn great you have uh, one of the hottest baby faces you've had in a long long time against one of your most effective heels on a main event level and will require brock to do a real match as opposed to your five minutes that he's been doing for a a while it'll require cody to take a lot of suplexes well yeah this is a match where cody has to get killed for it and his i believe cody's template is going to be that john cena match with brock the first one that they did when brock came back in 2012 not the uh well maybe cody will take inspiration from the uh the SummerSlam suplex uh match as well I think Cody will excel like in that type of Brock Lesnar match. You know, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, it's good to have like a serious, you know, heel Brock Lesnar return. I, I, this would have been even better if it was for a championship, but you know, hey, like the match I'm sure will be really good. I can well. see Brock winning this first match too. Oh whether yeah, me too. Whether you're going to yeah. get a multiple match series or it's just Bro- Cody loses and then gets into Money in the Bank, like I I see Brock winning this this match. Mm. Yeah, maybe Brock needs it right now. That was raw. Again, it, it was two big angles. I would say like if you were tuning in and this is like the big, I, I don't know, the, the night after raw, I, I think it's been kind of a thing that they had built up and it was a thing years ago and it's been a long time since it has been. Uh, but even like just getting like a fresh coat of paint with a tease of a call up or, um, you know, they set up two big matches. So you can't say this was a nothing show. They did have that. It was a lively crowd, but not a crazy crowd by prior year standards either. Um, and, and there was a ton of non-important events on these three hours and when you have a uh uh commercial free hour it adds up when you don't when you have two big hours yeah this commercial free stuff um i understand why they do it i'm sure it pays off for them when it when it comes to the ratings but to actually try to sit through it if you're one of the people that decides to watch the rest of the show after the commercial free you're paying for so much of it you know like you're you're getting short segments. You're not necessarily getting anything of substance, and you're sitting through a lot of commercial breaks. So, if you um, if you're gonna watch this, um, well, what what do you even have to watch on this show? You know, the Ray Dominic angle I thought was really well done with Bad Bunny. If you care to see the Triple H address, then go ahead and watch that Brock Lesnar angle at the end. Um, Sammy and and Kevin versus um, the Street Profits was a, was a good match. Maybe the only good match on the show. And, that was kind I would, of it. I would say that was the only good match on the show. I, I, it, it, Ray and Austin Theory was, was like passable. Again, I enjoyed that more than the Cena mm-hmm. match, but um, that, that's not a high, but it was a fine match for, for the time they had. We didn't go over it earlier, but I did want to make mention of our schedule for this week. So Alex Sherman will be on Tuesday at noon Eastern. Tuesday night, Braden and Davey will be live after the NXT following Stand and Deliver. Maybe it will be a more uh, wild show than people got on Monday for Raw. But then on Wednesday, Way and I are back with Rewind to Dynamite after the show from Long Island, New York. And then later on this week, it is a special Thursday edition of Rewind Away. Uh, we're putting it out Thursday this week for postwrestlingcafe.com members. And this week, what are we discussing? We'll be talking about CM Punk on the Art of Wrestling with Cole Cabana. Um, this obviously was, is probably the most talked about professional wrestling podcast that has ever existed. This is the thing that put these two um, into court with certain people that were mentioned on this podcast and was the ultimate 
reason for the falling out between the two. So it's not often we go back and look at a podcast, but this one was chosen by an executive producer and we thought was important enough to really dive into. So um, looking forward to that. Yes. And for cafe members, uh, especially new ones that have just jumped on board, you will get that show on Thursday, then rewind to SmackDown on Friday, Saturday, Bruce Lord and Karen Peterson are doing a review of a new Japan Sakura Genesis card, which is a very strong show on paper. Um, I will not be doing that show because there's a UFC pay-per-view Saturday night as the, uh, the synergy continues. And Sunday, we will have a UFC 287 post show with myself and Eric Marcotte. And then the week uh, caps off with WrestleNomics Radio, where, I mean, this is uh, the story of all stories for WrestleNomics listeners. So mm-hmm. uh, a great week to follow up WrestleMania week. And again, thank you to all of you that checked out our WrestleMania coverage. Uh, the site did really well last week. And especially uh, people that signed up at postwrestlingcafe.com. $6 gets you in the door with uh, multiple bonus shows per week. Uh, three coming at you this coming week. And of course, you can also subscribe at video.postwrestling.com. That gives you video access to all of our bonus shows that we do and uh, a great way to uh, support our our beautiful images. Our faces. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, who wouldn't want this? Um, but yeah, thank you guys all for uh, joining uh, there and let's get to some feedback. We start off with... Cody from Maine, who writes in a big thanks to John and Brandon. Uh, for this let's sh- start off here, actually, with some super chats because we actually oh. have a few of them, John. So sorry about that. Let's go to uh, Richard, who sends five pounds to say, if you guys had to make a prediction right now, if Dwayne doesn't want in, what is the main event for WrestleMania 40? Thank you, Richard, for the support. Um, a year from now, I, I, I would hope it's a main event that we can't foresee right now because that would indicate that there are going to be new stars a year from now that you will have fresh stories and that it it may be like i do not think if the question is a roundabout way of asking if it's uh, going to be cody and roman a year from now i think that's way too long to, to wait they've done it before who has cena rock yeah they they did do it that that one year um I'm just, th- but they didn't do that. They didn't give a, a year announcement for a rematch. But they gave it a year announcement for the first one. They did, yeah. And and you could argue that was pr- that was a pretty long year because it kind of put the a lot of stuff on hold where you knew where Cena was going to be a, a year from then. Mm, right. I, it's it's a completely different era right now of promotion. Um, you know, for these what PLEs, they don't have the same pressure of peaking for every single one. They're trying to do a whole lot with the secondary championships to elevate those. But I mean, you can also tell the Cody story all the way up to, for him to chase, to, to get back there. And I, I, I I certainly feel like he's probably the main candidate right now when we're talking about what the big matches, you know, a year from now, it's the Gato philosophy of booking. You delay the big moment one year so that you can peak. You can have a story to tell for the entire next year. Um, So he certainly, I would say the the only candidate that I feel like would be worthy right now. Are there any others that you you could see rise up to this level in a year's time? Rollins could be back in the mix uh, again, but if you're looking, f- it, Rollins is in this weird spot where I don't think people look at him as like a fresh main eventer because he's had his runs. But at the same time, I don't feel like he's had that that really defined run as the guy even the first one when he held the title and then had the injury it's and you could certainly look at him as 
one of your best performers, if not your best performer that, that you might look at. Um, I don't throw out the notion that like L- Logan Paul is going to have some mm-hmm. serious like matches over this next year. And that yeah. um, like, and, and, and there's, there's always going to be that one or two people that we're not thinking about now, that's going to have a breakthrough that you, you hope will have a breakthrough. I would hope by next year we're, we'll be talking about Gunther in a world title contention status. You know, I mean, obviously, if Roman is still the heel champion, that doesn't leave much room for Gunther. But if if Roman was for whatever reason out of the picture, I I would look to to see a Gunther elevation. It, big enough for WrestleMania is a big is a big question, but I I would hope that that he would be at that level. More importantly, I hope there's like like a hot like women's program that we'll be talking about heading to WrestleMania that feels like it's a justified main event, you know? So uh, thank you, Richard, for that. Let's go to Annie Rude, who sends 220. Um, I, I Again, I, I don't know what this is, but it's a, uh, thank you for the support. It sounds like a lovely number. Thank you for, for our 220 of those. Cody was booked awfully, in my opinion. I believed in him as he was larger than life and kicked ass. That was also not the fiery promo he needed. He's going to job to Brock and become a generic underdog. Hmm. I don't. I don't think Cody's going to become generic. I, I don't think that's it. But I do. I won't go as hard as uh as as him here. But I I totally like. It's very rare that you can get a performer that just catches fire like that, and that is why people always talk about like your timing. Like you want to. You don't want to take something like that for granted. And it's always a risk. Like there are performers that you can delay it. And you know what? The end justifies the means. And we could look back a year from now and say, you know what? They, we thought that WrestleMania was this big peak, but look at the end result. They ended up getting to the destination and Cody was hotter than ever. That's, you can't take that off the table. But I feel that winning that title last night was as much of a sure thing of a fresh shot in the arm that business is hot as it is. And I do feel like coming out of this weekend, it would have felt as though everything is pushing this company in the direction that this is a hot period. You've got this sale that just is lifting up the profile that much more. It's a new direction. And I think you would have been guaranteeing that you were not going to be having a typical like lull post WrestleMania, but they're, they're in fine shape anyway so that is sort of the the caveat there but if you're looking at just strictly booking i think last night it was just you had done all the legwork you were at the goal line and it was just running across and and spiking the ball and they opted to instead um they instead decided to you know what let's run it back what do you think of maybe the suggestion I've seen from from some people that that might say because they're in the the middle of this big sort of a corporate transitional period that they wanted the belt on somebody that they know is a tried and true, you know, um, I guess, leader of their brand. I, I don't put any stock into that. I, I don't think that that would have swayed them one way or another of who their champion is i think they're looking at um this is a company that just had this giant event like uh, if i'm just looking at optics this is a um you know it's these guys know what they're doing and i i don't think they're looking at any kind of level at at, at that kind of granular level uh thank you so much anirud for the rupees i've been told so thank you very much for that yes let's go up next to scott bagley who sends 550 thank you for the support scott he says after reigns winning at mania and now brock versus cody going forward do you see them going back to cody versus roman later this year so we we did talk about that but how about before wrestlemania 
I I see it really being tough to imagine them holding this off a year. I think I think it would be tough. Hmm. I guess I just don't know why they why they wouldn't pull the trigger last night if if they weren't going to delay it. For I, I'm I'm not year. saying that they won't try that. I just don't know if they're going to have um success in in, in doing that. I I think I think you really run the risk and. Again, maybe it's a different audience makeup, but like there was a period and it was during that Cena rock feud where, listen, that thing drew very well for that rematch. But when they set that up, it was a lot of just groans and, oh, we're getting this again. I would not want to have Cody in this role where it feels as though everything is revolved around him and you're turning this attitude uh, around on Cody where instead of it being it's now it's like he's on our timetable we're going to put it on a, him then and your audience starts to take that as though right. th- this so, guy is now being pushed down our throat so they're not announcing and I don't think they would announce you know Cody versus Roman a year ahead they, they really can't but you can you put Cody on the back burner have him have these feuds with Brock and then by Rumble peak him again well that's that's what I'm can. looking at is that if if he is coming out of the rumble again, like is, are you going to recreate this past year where it felt like here's the new guy versus they're going back to this again. And it's not something fresh. It's reigns and Cody again. Um, there's, there's this booking Roman in this way. You're building all this heat for him at the same time. You also are training your audience to lack faith in the baby face that they don't want to be fooled again. And I think you, you run that risk as well with, with some of these challenges. And I think they're going to have a hell of a time booking Roman this year in interesting matches when Cody's off the table for a year, who are those people that keep Roman busy, even if it's six pay-per-views this year? No, I totally agree. That was the SummerSlam opponent. That was, I think my biggest argument for putting the belt on, on Cody, because it completely freshens up your, your, you know, title picture. Um, You get fresh matchups with everybody. So, and Roman has beaten every single person. So where do you go from here? It looks like they're building potentially to something with the Usos. And I think a lot of people might be clamoring for main event Jey Uso to, you know, finally get his rematch against uh, Roman Reigns. That's a possibility that might be able to take them pretty far. Mm, but that's only maybe it, oh that's probably good enough for a few months but man what about the rest of the year let's uh continue on do we have any more uh no that's it for super chats thank you guys so much for uh, all your support and all your kind words about the coverage this week thank you everyone cody writes in regards to raw i didn't watch the show but i did see the turn at the end of on twitter or whatever platform is called now okay i can't help but think brock turning would have been that much more effective if cody was champion given the prior stipulation of brock not being able to challenge roman for the titles so yeah, bringing up what we discussed okay. earlier that, um, yeah, you do need kind of an explanation for Brock. Graves started to introduce the fact that Brock had to open up the show and Cody closed the show on. And he's mad at Cody for that. Hmm. Yeah, Cody is. I thought maybe you should go after Hunter then. Um. Well, that's not happening. So, All right, let's go to Muggin, who says Raw after Mania has jumped the shark. Started off fine with Cody and Brock potentially teaming up to face Reigns and Sokoa, only to pull the rug out of by the end. I've heard that there were rewrites and it led to what it and it led to an uneven fallout episode that didn't capitalize a great WrestleMania weekend. Do I need to break out a tinfoil hat and magna and a magnifying glass to find the old man's fingerprints? That's the big speculation coming out of this one. Yeah. All right. Um well there we go. That's uh the feedback for tonight's 
Raw after WrestleMania. So <laughs> thank you to everybody for tuning in and uh, checking out all of our WrestleMania coverage. Uh, we are going to be back on Wednesday night. Uh, Way is going to sleep for 24 hours straight. Actually, that that's not true. I I, I don't know how much sleep you get to begin with, Way. I, I get enough. I'm I'm you know again like I have a very understanding partner who um is you know very good at dealing with the, with the toddler um by herself. So I'm I'm very lucky in that sense. But you won't be sleeping much, John, because you'll be back tomorrow with Brandon Thurston. That is right. Noon Eastern. YouTube.com/slash Post Wrestling Media Reporter with CNBC. Alex Sherman joining Brandon and I to talk about uh, breaking the news of a WWE sale to Endeavor. We'll be talking about uh, more more fallout of the news and sort of uh, a lot more of kind of the the business breakdown and his own thoughts on uh, kind of what this means for Endeavor, what this means for WWE, and what this means for UFC. We haven't talked a whole lot about what this means for UFC, but that's an area to explore as well in mm-hmm. in the wake of all of this. So. That is going to wrap. Like just speaking up. as a, as a fan, like this is a, a huge get, and and for me speaking, like just even if I wasn't attached to the, to to at you guys in in any way, like I think you guys are at the forefront of all of this. You know, like obviously you and Brandon coming from a wrestling perspective, but also Alex Sherman, you know, coming at, at it from the business world, um, the one to break the story. I, I I can't imagine a better panel to discuss this. So I'm really looking forward to it. Well, I think Alex is joining us on his vacation. So um, he's kindly taking some time out. He really picked his week. Yes. So um, that's coming up again, Tuesday, noon Eastern. Uh, Subscribe to the channel. We appreciate it very much. And then uh, you will never miss a show. We are live here on the channel every Monday and Wednesday night after Raw and Dynamite. And that concludes Rewind a Raw.